Welcome back to another episode of Tuxedo Time, where we wear tuxedos. And it is time. I Podcast love, edition. Yes. Okay. I love that when you say it, you sound like you're trying to be a radio announcer. You're like, well, welcome wanna, back to another episode. I don't want to clip my microphone. We're not in the new studio yet because we had a little bit of a hang up. If you watch the vlog that we posted at, by the time you listened to this a few weeks ago, we found some mice in our basement. So we've had to put our project on hold for a few while we um, get rid of that. But um, in the meantime, now we're sitting in our living room. So we've now recorded po uh, podcasts in three different places. This is definitely the most comfortable out of all of them. Um, so, hi. So what's Chris. the plan today? Listen, I haven't seen you in like a week and a half. Sure we have. We well, live together. Yeah. Okay. So let me rephrase that. I haven't really spoken to you and had an actual conversation with you in a week and a half. Really. We've had a couple of conversations here and there, but you've been working in pretty hard like your week like your last week and a half has been really busy yeah this has been a busy call week for me call why don't you explain to them like what call week actually looks oh, yeah, like they don't, probably don't okay yeah. so because i always say like chris is on call but like what does that mean yeah so it basically means as it sounds i'm on call for after hours procedures at the hospital so if there's an emergency that comes through and they, someone needs an emergency procedure done that falls under my wheelhouse then I get call I get called about it and then if I think that it's appropriate then I will call my team in and we'll go do the procedure on the patient after hours and it's kind of limited to sort of more like life-saving stuff it's stuff that's um, just can't wait till the morning so the nature of that is is very hit or miss so I could have a pretty easy call week where I don't get called in at all or I could just get hit like every night with you know emergencies that pop up and you're sort of at the whim of chance statistically speaking you know i probably there's probably a 50 50 chance for a given call week that at least one of the nights i might get called in for something at a sort of a late hour mm -hmm. um, but sometimes i go by on call weeks and it's just a matter of staying at work a little bit late to finish up the work but i don't actually have to come back in the evening so it's hit or miss yeah this Although, week was kind of like a little bit in the middle because i feel like you had to stay at work late probably almost every night this week yeah and then you got called in a few times yeah and then two nights this weekend so far yeah. <laughs> i've been in past midnight yeah last night you were until two o'clock yeah in the morning and uh and then i forced you to, yeah and then i forced you on sunday to record this podcast with me no that's okay we're hanging out it's a nice lazy sunday yeah totally i love sundays i really do it's a lazy sunday we're sitting in our living room right now mm -hmm. just to paint the picture here we're sitting on our sectional facing each other this time on a mm -hmm. comfy couch yeah which before we've, we've tried a few different spots the yeah, first we, time was on the couch in your office yeah which wasn't the most comfortable because we were kind of like in this like awkward trying to face each other but not really set up properly in the second time we were in our office mm -hmm. and then this is sort of our third trial and this is going to probably most closely approximate the setup you want to have down when we finish our basement studio yeah we're not going to have a sectional down there we're probably just going to have more like a, a real couch but because that lends itself better to filming videos, which is what we're going to be using that space mostly for. But a sectional like this definitely works better for podcasting because we can be comfortable and face each other. Yeah, facing each other is, I think, key. Did you just do the chocolate rain and move away from the mic to breathe? <laughs> no, I did the chocolate rain move away from the mic to burp. I didn't want to make you, a noise because I knew you'd get mad at me. You slovenly beast. Fuck off. Okay. <laughs> You're such a piece of shit. So yeah, so we're up here recording the podcast today because we're not ready. Our studio's not ready yet. We had a little bit of a hang up, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast while you were adjusting the mic. 
Yes. Okay. So for anybody who hasn't followed along on our YouTube channel, we're basically turning our unfinished basement into multiple sets for filming YouTube videos, recording podcasts, etc. Um, we, how far are we now? You've, you've got the, we basically have the walls plastered. As of right now, the primed. walls are plastered, primed. We just had the pest control guy in. And you got the floors basically sealed. Yes. But we ran into an issue where there were some mice droppings in some areas there. Some is an understatement. Okay, so there's, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a plethora of mice, dro- mice shit. <laughs> so the word plethora actually means that there's an abundance of choice to the point where it becomes cumbersome. Well, you know what? So the abundance of a... choice is where I'm going to have to sanitize first. So. <laughs> okay, there you go. So a plethora of sanitization <laughs> plethora, options. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we found a lot of poopy. Mm-hmm. And the word poopy is so funny. <laughs> poopy. <laughs> Poop. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Um, found a lot of poopy and a lot of mice ranging in death times from like full skeletons, like nothing left on it but a skeleton. All of the meat and flesh. I want to call it skeleton. Okay. Well, anyway. Skeleton. Skeleton. <laughs> I found. <laughs> I found multiple mummified ones. Then I found one that still had fur intact, one that almost burned our house down, and then one that... Oh, that was pretty scary. That was really scary. I don't think we told that story ever, like, at all. Yeah, so so in a, in a nutshell, there was a dead mouse on top of the furnace, but right next to the... Because it's we have an... Uh, it wasn't the furnace. It was on top of the water... Sorry, hot the water, water heater. Yeah. Water heater. And the water heater is gas. Right, so we have a gas water heater. So there's a little, like, chimney hat on top, I guess, that vents the heat and exhaust away i get i don't know how those things work but it, it's hot there yeah so yeah. but it's very hot and i guess the mouse got too close so the reason why the mouse was there i guess the previous owners to this house had a mouse problem which is why we're finding skeletons in traps up on like the top right. place traps the, we didn't set traps we didn't set exactly yeah. and we only found them because we started renovating the basement and we were on the step ladders and we we're painting and suddenly we find poops and then suddenly oh there's a trap here okay there's a mouse well there. the home inspector found a saw a couple they're like yeah it looks like there was a mouse problem i don't know if that's still a thing mm-hmm. um if you want to go perceive if this is going to be the reason you don't buy the house then whatever but right you know you can you can call an exterminator basically but we had no evidence of like new mice and right. we'd never really like spend a lot of time in that area and for whatever reason they're only in that area i haven't seen any poop or anything well they're in the unfinished part of the basement they know that it's, it's, it's evolutionary, evolutionarily advantageous for them not to come in contact with us because they probably know we're going to kill them. Right. So anyway, so I, I'm assuming what had happened with this mouse was that there was a trap set up in the, like on top of the wall because the ceiling is unfinished. So I'm assuming that there was a trap up there that a mouse came in, got trapped and the snap from the trap forced the trap on top of the water heater. And it must have like rolled to where this vent was. So we're sitting here in the uh, living room one. It was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And suddenly our fire alarms start like going crazy. And we can smell this like burning, but we don't know where it's coming from. Like, the house is pretty big. So we're like, we're okay. A, what is what's burning? So we're like going around the house and we're sniffing and we can smell stuff kind of coming up through the vents in, in the basement. So we can kind of pinpoint the smell to like, it's like basically under my office. So we go downstairs and like the fucking sirens are going nuts and we're following the smell. And then we come to where the smell is coming from. And there's this dead mouse in a snap trap that's like singed on top of the water heater. And then there's like a booklet. But also someone left the instructions for the water heater 
on a, top of like the a water paper meter. booklet, but inside like a plastic sticky back, you know, like the, the, the address, like the FedEx address label mm -hmm. holders. They're like a plastic holder on the front and it holds like papers. They left that on top of the water heater. Yeah. Um, and so that had singe marks on it. So I don't know if it was from that, but it'd be weird. Like that was there since we moved in. So why would it all of a sudden ignite right now? Right. Unless like the mouse hit it and it or the mouse a flame. like dragged it or something. Well, or, that could. Yeah. Who knows? Because when I was here with the pest guy, he was like looking and he was like, oh, there was like some plastic in the corner. And he was like, oh, that's a mouse. Oh, they like bring little bits they of bring stuff. Bits yeah. of stuff. So maybe he was trying to haul that off into his lair. Yeah. Or I, don't, I have no idea. I have no idea. But anyway, it was really scary because, like, had we not been home, that could have been really well, bad. It, it never made a fire. It just kind of... It set the alarm off, yeah. But it, was enough, it made enough, I guess, it singed it enough to have enough smoke to yeah. cause the fire alarm to go off, which is scary. Yeah, it was scary. So anyway, then we've kind of been hearing scratching and stuff in the wall, so we called the exterminator. They came in, and they set, like, 30 fucking traps in the basement. And, like, within, like, four hours, I went down there, and there was a carcass in a trap. So There you go. Ugh. But there's only been one, so and we haven't heard any mice since. So maybe it was just that one little guy. Well, I don't know. We just sat down here, and I started hearing something in the corner yeah, there. You think you hear things because your mind runs wild. It does, yeah. And I really hate mice. I don't mind them that much. I think they're oh, kind of cute, actually. No, they're so disgusting, and they're full of, like, salmonella and bacteria. Oh, my God. What would you do if I took a mouse and then tied some floss around the arms Ew, what and made a marionette puppet out of it and like when you and woke you up with it just you're by like scratching it worst. at your face you're the actual worst <laughs> yeah and then i get like a scratch on my face and then get infected and then i lose half my face totally worth it totally Listen, worth it but can i tell you something mm -hmm. the other night i had a dream after we found that dead mouse mm -hmm. i had a nightmare it's five o'clock in the morning that I was in the basement and there were all these like giant squirrels and rabbits and mice oh, like furry friends. strung up in traps dead in the basement <laughs> It was like a fucking scene from a horror movie. I literally shit myself. And then I, well, I didn't, I, I almost shit myself. And I woke up and it was five o'clock in the morning. And I felt like there were mice all over me. Like I felt like I was crawling and like I couldn't sleep. It was awful. That did not happen to me. No, but you know what did happen to you? <laughs> what? You definitely ate a rogue piece of something <laughs> off the couch okay, last night. So we, were eating, me out. we were eating burritos while watching TV and a piece of cabbage had fallen out of my burrito. So I like put it on the ottoman right in front of me to go throw away later. So it's just this weird little chunk of white stuff. I was like, what is that? Kind of moist and squishy. No, it was definitely moist and, and squishy so like, because I picked it up and I was like, what is this thing that's moist and squishy sitting on the couch? So I took it and I was <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. I wonder what it tastes like. <laughs> All I can do is shake my head. Uh, and she's looking at me like, what are you doing? That could be anything. You don't know what that is. Spit it out, spit it out. You didn't put it in your it mouth. in his <laughs> mouth. Eats it. Rolled piece of moist thing on the couch. Mystery moist object. Mystery moist object. You ate it. Mystery moist morsel, triple M. And then he picked something else up off the ground and ate it. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with yeah, you. Yeah, so I was about 85% sure that that was the cabbage from my burrito. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it'd be like a good joke. Yeah. And as soon as it crunched out, I was like, okay, that's the cabbage. <laughs> so I knew. So my plan was to spit what it out if it episode? wasn't. What is this episode? My plan was to spit it out if it, if it didn't if it if it like in my mind if it's like this is not compatible with cabbage then i would have spit it out Ew. but it totally was it was crunchy it tastes just like my burrito i was like okay i'm happy i'm, I'm okay with this and then there's like another chunk of something on the ground <laughs> what the fuck like, is wrong with you you're like what is this like well i have to keep the joke going but i actually have no idea what this thing is <laughs> so i took that thing the, that was a true mystery object that's disgusting and it kind of tasted like burrito but i'm not sure if it was like I leftover don't think it burrito. Was a burrito it was Anyway, it looks like a crumb, like a cookie crumb or a booger. Or something. Anyway, so 
Anyway, so <laughs> it kind of tasted like the burrito. So at this point, I have there's probably around a 65% probability that it was part of my burrito. But I don't know for sure. Chris, yes. what the fuck is this episode? People come for like photography stuff and they're like, why are these people talking about eating random cabbage off a couch? Well, like, this is an update. We're just talking. We're just talking because <laughs> we haven't, well, we haven't seen each other. Like I said, we haven't. So like, we're just having a casual conversation. The last four episodes, I feel like have been very heavy, like talking about life. Jobs. Jobs. Let's fucking lighten it up, man. <laughs> um, I do want to ask you a question. Have you seen or heard about the rumors about that new Canon R5 or whatever the fuck it's called? You just said we're not going to make it about photography, and here you are making it about photography. Making it about photography, uh, dude. I've he- I heard, so <laughs> I've been loosely following it. I'm not I'm not really in the market to buy Canon mirrorless cameras. I'm, I'm interested to see. I don't follow all of the camera releases unless I'm in the market to buy a new camera. Mm-hmm. But I have been hearing things on Twitter I've and, been getting tagged in things on Twitter. Oh, that's so annoying. Are People you gonna, tag you. Are you going to switch back now that Canon's going to release this camera? Gear like, does not matter. I don't care. Like, I care. I think it's interesting. And I think that cameras are going to... I think this year, cameras are going to be really incredible. The cameras that come out. Yeah. But, like, I don't care, man. Like, I'm not... I just bought a new Sony camera. Like, I'm not switching back to Canon because... People are still shooting 1080, man. Listen, I can't shoot 8K. My computer is from 2013. <laughs> She's a senior citizen. She's a senior. She is a senior. She fucking citizen. shut down on me twice today. I had to like hard reboot it like three times to shut her on. Oh man, shut her on. I can barely add a 4K footage, like at a quarter quality, and I'm still having. I have to cr- close Chrome. Mm. Don't tell me to get Final Cut. That's another thing. Hey Becky. No, don't tell me to get a PC. You should get. Don't tell me to get a Final Cut. Don't tell me to switch to a different brand of camera because it's not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> okay, but really though, you should get a PC. So, so I actually, I this may be a good segue into um, an update on my PC. Oh yeah. So, I've been always telling Becky, look, you'll get way more bang for your buck. Just get a PC. Apple has neglected the Pro market. This was now. This was before they released the long-awaited new Mac Pro. Finally. Which <laughs> still is insanely expensive. That's my next purchase, but also it's way too expensive. Yeah. Sixty thousand dollars for the. Yeah, I'm not line. paying. No, obviously, yeah. That's, that's like a fucking car. That's like a nice car. Is it, that's a luxury car. That's like a goddamn Tesla, Model X. No, it's not. Well, how much is a Model X? Uh, you're going probably. I think they aren't they. Don't they start at eighty? Like this, but then you'll be over a hundred if you add on all the bells and whistles. It was actually very serendipitous because I've always been saying Becky needs to get a PC, and she's like, Why I really like the way you say serendipitous. By the way, serendipitous. Yeah, there's some words you say I really like. And Model X costs eighty four ninety nine nine zero. Oh, I was right. It was in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. The base. That's the base package, right? I think yeah, so. That's sure just what came go, up. Yeah. And if you add on all like the super whatever, it's probably over top tiers. You'll be over hundred. All right. So maybe it's like the Model Three. I don't know. Anyway, Model continue. Three starts at thirty, I think. Two Model Threes for the price. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't <laughs> anyway. matter. Doesn't matter. Continue. So yeah. So so Becky's always saying, "Well, you get a PC." It's like I don't need a PC. I don't. You're the one who does all the editing. I come home and just use my computer for random stuff, but. With all the drone stuff I've been doing lately, I've been doing a lot more video work. Mm-hmm. And it's been nice because we did that collaboration with NVIDIA. Yeah. And they basically supplied me with one of their top tier laptops. They did not sponsor this episode, by the way. They did not sponsor that, this episode, though. But I was, you know, it's always been, I've been using Apple since, you know, the early 2000s. Well, mm-hmm. hell, since 1994, I've been using Apple. Right. Um, but I really kind of got into it when I got the G, the Power Mac G4, Quicksilver mm-hmm. edition. 
I think I was, was around when you got that, or like I started coming around just that as was you had at the it. beginning of our relationship. Yeah, yeah. So that was probably like two thousand one ish. Because I remember your Sony Veo that you had out in your back study. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I had the um, Quicksilver G four, and I've been using Apple ever since. Oh my god, that's almost twenty years now. That's crazy. crazy. Anyway, so um, switching over, you know, I, I use PCs at work, so I'm not, I'm not unfamiliar with the you know, the, the, the operating system. I can well, you've use always Windows. said that you're a platform agnostic. I am platform agnostic. It's just a computer's a tool mm-hmm. like you. And <laughs> <laughs> go fuck yourself, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, by Krusty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh my so, God. so I think that, you know, since switching, um, there are some quirks and not that they to be unexpected. And, and this is always, it, it kind of reinforced what I've always thought is that you pay a premium mm-hmm. for ease of use and things, quote unquote, just work. Yes. That yeah. I is, have no interest in like troubleshooting computers, building computers, having to like make workarounds. Like I just want things to work so I can just be creative and get my ideas out and get them com- completed. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, in a closed ecosystem like an Apple, mm-hmm. if the hardware is not up to scratch, then you're doing workarounds because you can't you don't have enough power. Proxies. And right. So that's right, a whole yeah. other, it's, 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 it's sort of like balancing act, right? It's mm-hmm. this happy medium. So I found that the computer works great, um, but the inherent limitations of an operating system that's just so, it just feels very clunky. Yeah. Like all, a lot of the user interfaces and the experience, user experience, like I'll open up an Explorer window and there's like a million different like boxes is like there's like a play button there's i'm sure you could customize all that because that's i think what that's what they tout themselves is that it's very Mm -hmm. customizable when it's flexible but you just open up it just looks doesn't look as nice yeah which is fine i mean it's usable but then you know i'm used to doing certain things like dragging and dropping files into an open file dialog box like say if i hit import on premiere yeah and i'm used to just dragging something from explorer into that window and it automatically goes to it but in windows it copies it to that folder wait what yeah, you know. You oh my know, god, that would be so frustrating. Right. So sure, I can drag and drop stuff into the import box, but it's just a matter of like that's how I, I ingrain that into my workflow. Yeah. And it's just something that I was used to being able to do. Mm-hmm. And another thing is like quick look. I'm so used to like file going through file browser and like hitting spacebar to preview. But there's stuff. a plugin for that, isn't there? Right. So I, I had to then go find the plugin. Right. I, I googled it. Found oh, there's a quick look plugin, mm-hmm. and it works pretty much the same as, as on Apple. I think Sarah Dietschy did a full video, didn't she? About like all these random workarounds. And she was like, here's a list of all the things you missed from she your did. Mac. To, like, and I hit her up on Twitter. I said, find me a workaround for this drag and drop into <laughs> the file system. But I think that's an inherent like structural thing within, right. the, within Windows. So that's not like there's an easy fix, I would imagine. Yeah. If anyone's listening to this, help me out. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's really funny. So I have like weird feelings about your PC because when I sit down to use it, I feel like an, a brand new person to computers. Mm-hmm. Where is Finder? Where are the files? Like, I can't, I don't understand the whole like wind. And I guess it's just a matter of like doing it. I'm sure if I used it for a week, I'd get used to it. Just yeah, and all like, that stuff is just the differences because you're not used to the operating system. I'm not used so to operating system. For me, system, it's yeah. like I know how all the like, C program files. Right. So for me, I guess what I'm saying is I did edit a video on your computer once because you were working on it and I just thought it'd be easier to continue working on it on oh, your definitely. computer. Rather than port it over. It was so, it was a joy. Because everything played back at full quality. I could play 4K footage. I could edit while it played back. And I could even edit like GoPro footage without having to like render it out into a different format. It just worked. But me being so inefficient with the operating system took me twice as long to do things because I couldn't find where the files were. I didn't know how to import stuff in. Like there's just this ran- these random things that I'm so used 
second nature that happened with my fingers on my Mac that I could just do without thinking about. Yeah, control like, versus command. Yeah, or like the command tab. You. Like I like command tab through all of my apps all the time. That's actually easy for 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 Windows users or for Apple users going to Windows because the Alt button is roughly where the command button is. So you're yeah. used to going command tab and you naturally will do alt tab. So it's that mm. that's the same. Yeah. But doing like copy paste instead of doing... Oh, it's so... The yeah. control and the command... But again, just, I use PCs probably more than I use Apple because I use them right. at work. So exactly. I'm used to the control, mm -hmm. uh, control C, control V for all that stuff. I just haven't used it in so long. And I know like whatever you're used to works, you know, you miss airdrop and there's another solution but it's just oh, like yeah. Air, so i haven't had been able to use airdrop there's been yeah. no good solution that's as slick as airdrop mm -hmm. and i've tried using um people like suggest like oh just use dropbox or just use google Drive. it's just it's so not much, the same because no, you not. have to route through the internet yeah and you have the way for it to upload and then you have the download versus like right whoop. it's not a direct connection from your computer to your phone yeah there's another thing called snap drop that i was trying but mm -hmm. i can't get it to work i wonder if it you, just doesn't work yeah that sucks i wonder if you had like an android if it would work Maybe, maybe it might, yeah. but I, so my, if you'll notice on your desktop, there's a Chris files folder. Chris, have you seen my desktop? I have not noticed. <laughs> true, true. Okay. <laughs> it's a disgrace. Anybody, like I love organizing and, and I have a lot of OCD about when things look good, but fuck, I'm so messy. And my desktop looks like my closet, looks like my office. Oh, it's a fucking shit show. A disgrace. Your face is a disgrace. I know. You tool. <laughs> Okay. I, I use that one on you. I know so, you did. Yeah, there's a, there's a folder on your thing. So I, I, I have my computer networked to yours, and mm -hmm. I just drag and drop stuff on your computer. So I literally just have a shortcut on my desktop that goes to that folder, and I right. just drop things in that, and then I airdrop it from your computer to my phone. But still, it's like that time, man. I don't know. I've, you're definitely way more like techie than like in our relationship you are the asian. tech support the asian tech support that's, that's so racist you can't say that I can you say said it, it. You okay yeah, well you said it. of race i said tech support and you said asian so right but you then agreed with me and that makes you racist okay you are the tech support i know like enough about things that i can probably i know that if my computer shuts down and it's not going to boot up i hold option i can boot from the drive whatever but i don't know enough about computers to like fix a lot of things well that's when let me Google it for you.com comes in. Well, fuck you. How many times have I used that website on you? A lot. Anybody who, so if you don't know. know what it is, go to let me Google that <laughs> for you.com and then you type in what you want to Google for them. So say how to reboot <laughs> my Windows computer. And then I know how to reboot my computer, you dick. And then it spits out a link that you send to the person and it gives an, they click on it and you can shorten it so they don't know that it's let me Google that for you.com. And you, they click on it and then it pulls up a window and it says, let me Google that for you. And then it puts it, it passive aggressively types it into Google and then animates the cursor to hit search. And then it pulls up the Google page and then it says, now, was that so hard? Oh my God. <laughs> well, you're right. I definitely, I mean, I definitely have because I know that you're going to do that. So I have Googled and fixed things myself. But sometimes so there's things that I'm like, I'm nervous. Learn to by do. shame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, oh, you listen, you teach me grammar by learning me by public shaming me on Twitter. It's true. I'm hoping yeah. it has it worked yet. I just, have you learned your versus your or there, there, there? No, I know the difference between there, there, and there, and your, your, and your. But the problem is, is that I, There's only two I have yours. an idea. <laughs> your, your, and your. <laughs> your, 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 and two, two, two. But, but my problem is that I'm like, oh, I have an idea for a tweet and I type it. And then I like don't read it back. I don't proof it. And also like the letters to me are just shapes. So like when I, so when I, okay, I booked an airline ticket for you the other day and I had to physically go N, N, I, I, C. Like I had to look at your name and then make sure that I spelled it right because I don't. 
know how to spell your own husband's name? No, I do. I do, but I, it's a shape. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe that's why you're a designer and photographer and videographer. That's why I was shit at school and I'm not sciencey and I don't actually comprehend a lot of like things. Uh, some of the stuff that you tell me about, yeah, like, do you have an inner monologue? Fuck. Yes, I do. <laughs> My inner ever, monologue won't ever, shut the fuck up. Does it ever shut up? No. <laughs> talks more than I talk. Like, I'm just oh like, bitch, God. shut up. I know. That's it's possible because you always talk. <laughs> On that note, we're going to take a quick break. And after the break. Before, no, before we take a quick okay. break, I, there's one more thing I want to say about the PC thing. Oh, what? Um, oh, yeah. So with the PC thing, you talk about compatibilities mm-hmm. and having to troubleshoot stuff. I still cannot get beta flight for my drones to communicate with my drones what I've i tried. thought that was a whole point of you getting pc was that so you could like build your f- drones and yeah because there's a your... there's a there, well there's a program b heli which will it's like a utility program that will allow you to switch the motor directions without having to resolder things mm-hmm. which only runs on on pc right but i can't get the the computer to recognize the drone via the usb yeah. And I don't like. I've tried reinstalling the drivers. I've tried using other people's drivers. I've tried do. I've tried all of these. I can't get my Windows 10 computer to interface Betaflight with my drone. It just doesn't work. Well, you know what? I don't have a solution for you because no, you don't. But like, <laughs> like I said, you know, I, I yeah. plugged it into my your, your laptop, your mm-hmm. Apple laptop with a Windows partition. No, I didn't, didn't I didn't use I used it on the OS 10 version of Betaflight. Oh. I don't have the B, there's no B heli for it, so I actually have to manually resolder the wires if I want to switch the remote direction. But Betaflight, which is what I used to program the drone itself, like have all the settings in it mm-hmm. and calibrate the radio and stuff. I can't get that to work on my PC. Just I can't get it to recognize it. And well. it, it just plug you just plug it in Apple and it just boom, pops up works. So there is that definitely is a downside of PC and there's yeah. no doubt about it. I think there's upsides and downsides to both platforms. It's just like cameras. It's like whatever you prefer, whatever works. It's like who fuck yeah, cares. Yeah, exactly. There's pros and cons to everything. Yeah. All right, so on that note, yeah, well, I want to take a break, but then after I need to like I want to share something that I've never talked about on the on the podcast before. Oh, juicy. Juice ju- 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 juice. Bouncy juices. <laughs> 16. Yeah. I want to share a little something, a little deep, dark secret that I haven't talked about before publicly. Okay. You know about it, though. I'm curious. All right. We'll be right back. All right, Chris, I need to come clean about something. Okay, before you do. About what? You mentioned something, a phrase, bouncy juices 16. (laughs) Yeah. People are going to be like, what was was that? There was somebody added me on Skype years and years ago, and their username was bouncy juices 16. It's just been a running joke. It's just been a running joke. Like anytime it's just like, oh, what's your name? It's like, is it Bouncy Juice is 16? <laughs> do, you, do you wonder like... Who the fuck is Bouncy Juice is 16? Like who Bouncy is Juice behind 16, that? If you are listening right now, Tweet please, us, please. Please, yeah. Yeah, I need to know who you are. Okay, so back to my deep dark secret. Okay. I don't believe in presets. Oh, that big dark <laughs> I totally forgot what you were going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> what big dark I was like, secret? Oh my God, this is really shocking. Yeah. You don't believe in presets. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Tell me, what what do you mean? Is like, you don't believe they exist? They're just a myth? <laughs> I don't believe in using presets. I don't, okay, yeah. So we've gotten some comments who, of people who want us to sell presets. And I am very passionate about not wanting to sell the presets. What are you worried about? Let's unpack this. Not that I'm necessarily worried about anything. I feel like I've spent, I've been shooting photos since I was in grade 12, so 15, 16 years. And I feel like over that time, I've gone through a lot of 
changes in growth in my photography and stages in my photography where I would try a new technique in editing or lighting or whatever. And then I would do that for a little bit and then I'd learn something different. And so my style was like ever evolving kind of thing. And I spent a lot of time learning my craft, practicing, changing things, figuring out what works for me. So I think for me with presets and I don't want to offend anybody, but please tell me what you think about this. I feel like if you're a photographer and you just started and you can kind of shoot photos, but you don't know how to edit and you buy somebody else's preset and you put it on your photo, that photo is no longer yours. It's yours and the person whose preset you bought. And I know that not all presets work perfectly on every photo. They're kind of like a starting point and then you kind of tweak them, but still like you didn't come up with that look the person's preset who you bought came up with that look. So therefore they're doing half the work. And if you are a professional and you're charging people for your work and you're using people's presets, I don't think you should be able to charge for, I just don't think that it's right. And I don't know if it's me being like a purist coming from like I shot film, I learned on film, got into. So did you, did you develop your own film then? I actually did develop my own film a couple of times. So would would it would the equivalent be in the film world if someone didn't do their own developing, mm-hmm. it's kind of doing their own post work, then it's not really they're not really doing the full they're not really a professional? Yeah, I would think so. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Because when I started shooting photo and I this is just my opinion, one person's lonely opinion. When I started shooting photos on film, I was learning still. So if you take away film and you put in digital photography, and you're learning how to shoot photos, you're putting them on your computer and then you don't edit them, you're just posting them, however, just out of the camera or whatever, it is what it is. If you take somebody's preset and put it on your photo and you compare that to somebody else developing your film and you're still learning, that that person has basically given you like a starting point to your edit and made your photo look the way that you want it to look, but you don't really know how to achieve the result. Other than clicking Other than clicking Instabecky. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's fine to like learn from that. Okay, this is what my photo could look like with this process, but then not taking it a step further and understanding what that preset is doing and then learning how to do it yourself. I think it's just like hindering growth in photography. Well, I guess it depends. Yeah, I, I see. And I think this is sort of, this is, this is going to be a very polarized topic because mm-hmm. I could argue both. I could play devil's advocate and yeah. say, well, you know, this is just one more way of outsourcing, you know, like if you're doing a film, if you're, can you call yourself a filmmaker if you're a director, but you don't know how to use the camera or you don't know how to edit or you don't know how to do color mm-hmm. in post, like all that stuff gets sourced out. Right. So are you still a cinema, a cinematographer, someone who is like a DP is still considered a DP if they don't know how to color their video footage. Yeah. Um, so couldn't a photographer still be a photographer if they don't know how to color their own photos? I mean, that, I think that's a good point. I think it's hard because when you're in to f- like cinematography, I feel like there's so many areas you can specialize in. Like you have dudes who just pull focus. Like that is their specialty. Mm-hmm. Whereas like most photographers. I'm a best boy, by the way. Are you? Key grip. In the photography world, most of the time, unless you're doing like crazy compositing and commercial work like most times the photographer shoots the photo they edit the photo unless you're doing it that's that's kind of the yeah it's different unless you're in like a big agency uh yeah very few photographers hand off their raw files yeah the vast majority would say that that 
that's just not something you do. It's like just like photographers never give their negatives right. back in the days of film. So I do think the industries are different in that respect. So I, I, I concede to that. I, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you on that part. Yeah. Because uh, I, I feel the same way, but I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. No, I, and I don't like. I don't think there's anything wrong. Like if somebody else wants to sell the presets, like more power to you. Like I think that's fine, and I don't think any less of anybody for doing that. But but it, I, it doesn't work all the time too. No, it like doesn't. A preset doesn't work on every photo. No. Like, I just I don't know. I just don't I just don't believe in them. I think Yeah, and I, I think you should I, I spend the, the effort if you're going to learn your craft, like learn how to edit. I think the essence of the argument comes down to misrepresentation. Yeah. Because everybody wants to sort of front like they can create this this imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a big part of that creating the imagery is not just shooting the photo or having the eye, but it's also being able to know how to manipulate your imaging in post. Yes. And that's a big key part that's shrouded in mystery for a lot of people. Right. And it's gotten to the point now where people figure out, oh, the easy way to do it is just buy a preset or buy a LUT. But people don't realize, because how many times, people assume we do that. Yeah, no. People assume, people assume that, They're like, what preset did you use? Yeah, or it's like, oh, what LUT did you use for this? It's like, Bro, I use I use a Sony utility LUT from Log to Rec 709 to get to a more normal gamma, yeah. or more normal contrast and saturation, and then we just graded it manually. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody who's not really into the photo video realm, they might just think of these things as filters. Right. Like, what filters do you use for this? Yeah. But they don't realize that filters are a prepackaged look, and people just assume that oh, we just slap those on and it's good to go. But mm-hmm. I do all my stuff manually. Yeah. Same. You know, after that, it's just a matter of you color all the footage as per your vision. Yeah. Well, when you learn how to use the tools and you can visualize what you want, you know how to get the look because you've spent the time to learn how to get the, get the look and how manipulating one part of the curve or whatever is going to change your image. And I think going back to photography, I think a massive part of photography is visualizing the end result of your photo. And that photo is usually, in, in my head anyway, is post-processed it's it's got a look and that's what I visualize and that dictates how I shoot something or how I light something or whether I shoot it at f 1.4 or f8 or whatever and so I think that a knowing how to get the look and not just using a preset but like being able to visualize what you want and then being able to achieve it like that's photography like it's not just taking the picture or learning how your camera works and taking the picture but it's visualizing this conceptual look and then being able to shoot it light it and then edit it all yourself and understand what you did the whole way through. So you're looking at being a photographer as the whole process. Yeah. From it's not just the picture. Conceptualization all the way to execution mm-hmm. and the final image. Yes. Not just the part where you click the button, point the camera and click the button. Right. I think that's still photography too. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of good photographers out there who don't edit their photos or videos and just the composition speaks for itself or the subject speaks for itself. But for me, and I don't know if it's because I have a graphic design background. So I like to incorporate that, like a look into my work that it it all kind of plays together. It's like, how can I shoot this and light this and edit it to have it portray this certain feeling that necessarily might not come across on our Instagram because I feel like sometimes we get caught up in the algorithm and posting on social media. You got to post a photo a week. And so well, I post a photo a week on my Instagram. It's been a, photo a, long... a week or a photo a day. Or sorry, a photo a day or a photo every three days. Like you're posting multiple times a week. And I've gotten kind of caught up recently. And I kind of realized this last night, I kind of went into this like deep remembering kind of where, not where I came from, but like 
I get caught up in documenting life, you know, and, and having to post a photo because the algorithm, and I don't remember the last time where I sat down and said like, this is the photo I want to shoot. This is the vision that I have. This is what, how I want to light it, how I want to shoot it, how I want to edit it and just executed it. And I used to do that all the time, just like have an idea for a photo. And I would spend hours like setting up lights and making sure it was perfect and like actually shooting the photo and then manipulating it to have this like look almost like it was like a, a scene from like a film or something like that. Yeah. I, I think that that's kind of having a, almost a cinematic feel mm-hmm. to your photography and trying to tell a story through it Yeah, and convey just the right imagery to evoke whatever emotions you're trying to evoke. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you probably did that for a lot of your commercial stuff, but as well, you had a lot of portrait projects you used to do. Yeah. So I, I did definitely used to do that for a lot of commercial stuff. And when I was shooting photos and not making internet content, like that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to shoot real estate, but I also wanted to shoot these like editorial commercial photos that told stories of people like that's what I I like to shoot people and so I started doing this portrait project where I was taking photos of all my friends and family so eventually that I would like put together this book and as time went on and I learned new processing and lighting techniques like my lighting got simpler my editing got simpler but you know you can actually see a massive change in my style over when I started the project till like when I kind of started slowing down in the project but I love that and it's been, I kind of forgot about it when we started making YouTube videos because you get caught up, you know, in pumping out the content. It's interesting that the delivery platform changes the craft. Absolutely, yeah. Because it, it automatically effect, starts affecting the way you shoot, what you shoot, how you shoot, mm-hmm. because you're trying to basically be a slave to an algorithm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, I could post like, you know, Next week, I could post three photos that are like photos. They're not bangers by mm-hmm. any means or my best work, but they're photos. And they, they're branded because I process them to look a certain way. And it kind of goes back to like creating a look for yourself or like a brand, you know. Maybe we'll make a separate podcast about that because I'm a big fan of that probably from having a design background. Like I like all of the things to like have a look. Yes. How do you make a how do you make a look in a brand that's cohesive and unified but not pigeonhole yourself and keep you in a box that you can't? get out of. Exactly. And that's kind of what's happening to me. I really like the way our Instagram looks and the style that I've developed. I feel like I finally have like something that's mine that I've worked really hard on. I think that's part of the reason why I don't just want to sell it to make money. You know, to me, you can't put a price on it. Mm -hmm. You know, if anyone took the time to watch any of our YouTube videos, like I've taught how to get that look, you can easily achieve it if you know how to look at a photo and break it apart and see what's happening there. So you clearly don't have an issue though with, again, trying to unpack your little brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have an issue with people having your look. I, I think... Because you've made videos about how to get the look. Right. I think what I have an issue about is people having the look without putting any effort into it and putting the time into actually learning how. But if you're going to call yourself a photographer and sell yourself as that, then you should know how to edit your own photos and you should not be using my looks to sell your photography. Fair enough. I see. But that's probably a very purist. It is a very purist outlook. And outlook. I probably have a very similar outlook too. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to kind of see, I just want to unpack this for our, for anybody listening, just to yeah. kind of see what, uh, what your decisions are made are based on. And I mean, that's not to say like, I'll never ever sell a preset, but I like, I don't, don't expect them. I make presets for myself because when you're pumping out three or four pictures a week for Instagram that need to look the same, you make your own preset. Mm-hmm. So you edit the one photo or the two or three or four or five photos that you, to have the look that you want. And then you create the preset 
based on the look that you've made and then you put it on your new photo and then you tweak it to have it look right. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's easy for somebody to buy a preset and slap it on. Sure. So what about this, this, another way to approach it though, mm-hmm. or view it the, the way I kind of view life is time is money mm-hmm. and it sounds cliche, but you know, the way our, our society works is that you trade your time for money and then you trade your money for things you need. Mm-hmm. So time and money are interchangeable and then your exchange rate is based on how well you've carved yourself out and how much you can get for your time. Yeah. So someone is going to invest time by watching your free YouTube content mm-hmm. and they're going to invest something that's of value to them to create that. Yeah. And you're okay with that. But if someone wants to take their unit of value, which in this case was time. Mm-hmm. Now let's say they want to take their unit of value, which is money. Yeah. But they want to give you that money mm-hmm. because they respect your work and they like you as a person and well, they want to support you. That's the complicated thing. It's nice that people would want to support you and give you the money so they can have the look that they like out of you. Mm-hmm. But it's not about the money. You know, I just. You're a purist. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I could, if I put out a pre, if you told me put out your preset and you could make $100,000 right now. No. Fuck, I'd put out a preset. No, it's, if you know what you're doing, it's so easy to recreate the look. It's, I'm not doing anything that's, a, that's, that's a very, different. That's a very hindsight look at it, though, because for you, it's very easy to, to look at it. Because I spent time learning correct, the craft. Correct. But even then, I, All you know, the resources are there for free to learn how to do it. They are, they are, yeah. But here's the thing. I don't, I don't, <laughs> if, you're use, if you're a photographer and you're using presets and you're okay with it, that's fine. This is just my opinion. This is my purest opinion. There are plenty of photographers out there who are selling their presets, who are fine with that, and are, is, it's completely normal to use presets. And I think over the last few years, and maybe, maybe it's because I started so long ago, I feel like people who started three and four years ago, presets are normal. Right, it's become a normal part it's, of, it's normal. Of, yeah. of the culture. Exactly. Because, well, I mean, let's look at that a little bit. You've got the people who are looked up to as the heavy hitters on social media, mm-hmm. the social media photographers and video people, yeah. who are all monetizing and selling their presets. Right. So they're sending a message to their audience that, it's yeah, okay to it's use. It's okay. Buy this. Yeah, I'm benefiting. Yeah. You're benefiting. Everybody's mm-hmm. been, so, and that and that's fine. You know, that's that's just how the industry has happened. It's just a natural evolution of it. Mm-hmm. But I think that I don't think anyone's ever really talked. People don't talk about though the not the I don't want to say the ethics, but you know the, the fi- finer points of using presets and the ramifications of of what it looks like. Right. You know the optics of presets. No pun intended. Yeah. Well, let me paint this little picture for you. Okay. You have two people. Okay. You have one person who has a business mm-hmm. who doesn't really know how to shoot photos, doesn't really care to learn, but they want their photos to look nice on their Instagram so they can sell their products. Mm-hmm. Preset works in that scenario. Sure. But then you have a photographer who wants to be professional, who gets hired by a brand to shoot a campaign and they want a certain look. And that photographer doesn't know how to edit their own photos and uses presets, but the brand or the agency wants a certain look and they commit to it, shoot the, shoot the campaign and then realize I lit this wrong for this certain look or I'm gonna use this preset, but then it turns out the way they lit the photo or the way they shot the photo or the colors in the background don't work with that one preset and then they're stuck because they don't know how to get the look that the client wants. Yeah, and just and like- And it looks bad on them as a photographer. Right, and, and, that, and they'll figure that out, they'll learn the hard way. I think that does also shine a light though on the fact that the barrier entry to get into the visual medium nowadays is so low. It's, mm-hmm. it's at an all time low. Absolutely. Where you can create world-class imagery yeah. on, on a cheap, 
camera less than a thousand dollars. Definitely. And there's never been a lower barrier to entry. Yeah. You know, and also too to you know even looking at film versus digital, people would used to have to literally invest thousands and thousands of dollars into burning film mm -hmm. to just to to learn. When I started shooting photos, I was shooting on film probably for like two years before I got the original digital rebel, mm -hmm. the 300D. And I was like, my photos aren't getting any better. I am not, my photos are the same shooting film as they were when I started, maybe slightly better because you shoot your photos, you, do, you shoot an event, and then you can't time see passes. them. Time passes. You, you forget what settings to, you use for each photo. If you didn't write photo. it down, yeah, if you didn't write it down, you forget what settings you used, you go get your film developed. And you're you randomly know. changing all the, you're, you're on the fly changing settings. There's no way you're gonna know what you used. Exactly, and then you get well, you your know photos what I back. Used. And then you're like, these Trust are all the shit. Film. And there's no numbers on the photos. Yeah. So it's not even like you could say like photo number one, one was this setting? girl. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess, but <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember shooting three rolls of film when I was like 16, 17, and I, film was expensive and getting it developed was expensive. Wait I, a second, you didn't develop your own film? You No, because I was just starting. <laughs> I didn't have a dark room. I actually, I did develop a roll, a couple of rolls of black and white in the dark room in high school. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. We rolled it ourselves, we mm -hmm. developed it. I do, remember. Yep. But anyway, so I'd get, get it developed because I was just starting. It's kind of like steps, you know, one yeah. thing at a time. You learn how your camera works, you figure that out. Okay, now you learn how to edit, you figure that out. And maybe the step to learning how to edit is presets, but that's not the, that shouldn't be the end result. Right. You shouldn't stop at using But it is the presets. path of least resistance. It is. It's like, wow, I can get pretty much, I can get 90% there and put in 10% of the work. Right. Or I can get 100% there, but have to put in 90% more work only to get the last 10%. Exactly. Okay, so, and, so back to what I was saying. So I went and got these it's probably $60 to develop these like three rolls of film. And I remember sitting in the car and looking through them and being like, none of these photos are good. These are all shit. I thought I had at least one, if not two photos. I had zero photos out of three rolls when I started. And then I got my digital camera and suddenly I could see the back of the camera and I could see that when I changed my f-stop from like f4 to f8, what that changed in the image, how that affected my exposure, my shutter speed, how slower shutter speeds made photos blurry. Whereas when you're shooting film, like you kind of knew, but you know when you're shooting digital- You don't get that feedback in real time. It's not immediate. So you're getting this instant feedback when you're shooting digital. And then I remember getting into Photoshop and I didn't want to really edit my photos because I was like, I didn't think that I was supposed to edit my photos. Like I, don't I was know supposed to get was, it in camera. Was that a cultural thing that was worldwide or was that only like a sort of micro culture in Newfoundland? I don't really, I don't really know. Because okay, any listeners who have been around shooting photos, you know, through like the late nineties, early two thousands, mm -hmm. uh, let us know because where we came from, a lot of the older guys in that scene were very opposed to not post-processing your photos. Yeah. Well, yeah, when, when I started shooting photos, I was in a photo club in St. John's and I, you and me were the youngest people there. Yeah, the, 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 the term no Photoshop was thrown around as, as frequently as hashtag not sponsored. Yes, oh my God, you're right, no Photoshop. Yeah, as a yeah. hashtag no, no Photoshop. Yeah, exactly. Like, as if that was like a, a, like a, a badge of, of honor that people would wear. Yeah. And it was mostly probably because none of them knew how to use Photoshop. Right. But, or like so, a lot of people would be like, oh, you did, that's Photoshop. Yeah. But this was As before it, the days of Lightroom and mm -hmm. remember Apple Aperture? Yeah. Actually, I listened to a Polar Pro with Dave May's podcast. They were talking about Aperture. The, the guests he had on worked on that app or something. Is that still in existence? No, no. it's not. They okay. apparently Lightroom 
came out with it like around the same time were like Aperture released. They were and like the two competing was, products. Yeah, Lightroom had been in works and then mm -hmm. the Aperture released and then they released Lightroom and then I don't know if the resources weren't there to keep up with Aperture or like Lightroom just like took off and just yeah. kind of took over, but. Yeah this, was, yeah, this was before raw file management systems that could incorporate editing. You, you literally one photo in camera, raw in Photoshop, yep. you yep. edit it and then you edit your photo. I spent so many years just editing my photos in Photoshop. Remember yeah. Bridge? Remember oh, yeah. going through in Bridge and yeah. you start your photos, you put it in a separate folder. Because Bridge had better native raw support. Mm -hmm. So that's why I used Bridge. Yeah, but yeah. you couldn't edit your photos in Bridge. Mm -hmm. You just view them. Okay, so coming back full circle, I think a lot of it comes down to perception and people having to put the work in. Yeah. And people not wanting to put the work in, but expecting maximum bang for their buck. And I think when you've put the work in and you've been doing it for so long, you kind of develop this mindset, right? Of how you learn. Like I learned from like older photographers with these purest mindsets. Like for a while, I didn't even think I was allowed to crop my photos. Now I don't care so much, <laughs> but there are a lot of photographers who are older who are very passionate about getting the shot in the camera and you don't crop. Oh my God, yeah. But now with Instagram, I like prefer shooting most of my photos landscape style, but Instagram kind of changed that. Now you have the shoot portrait to That's get the another example of the game changing, the, game the rules changing. of the game changing how you play it. Exactly. It's like when the, I don't, not a basketball fan, but when the NBA brought out three pointers, mm -hmm. it changed the strategy of the game inherently. You lost me at basketball. Well, yeah, like two pointers and sports, three pointers. Sports, sports. Yeah, like it used to be a basket was worth two points, and then they said, "Oh, you shoot it behind this line." It's now three points. Right. And you all of a sudden now fundamentally changed. Like, well, if I can get, you know, fifty percent more on my investment, we're mm -hmm. going to invest in people who can sink three pointers from far away, and it changed the landscape right. of the game. Yeah, yeah, I think it just depends on when you got into it and and who you're influenced by and who you've learned from. Yeah, and Instagram has created a bunch of portrait style shooters that absolutely. shoot portrait style. Yep. Vertical. And um, I will say that I, I don't think that my preset is the best and that it's more valuable than anybody else's edit. That's not what I'm saying because there are plenty of photographers who started last year who are better than me, way better than me. It's not about that, about hoarding something that I don't want to, it's just, I guess it's just the purest in me who just feels like if you're going to edit your photos, you should learn how to do it properly. Yeah, so you're, you're basically saying that... Um you want to, it's like you're, you're like a motherly figure wanting to impart a hard lesson on all of your, anybody who's, that's exactly it. Who's following your work. Yeah. I don't think that my preset is like, or my, my look, I keep calling it preset. Like my look, my editing is like the Holy grail. Like it's not about ego. It's not about thinking it's better than anybody's. It's not the, that at all. I just have this mindset of not wanting to sell the preset because I believe that as a photographer, you should learn your craft wholly and fully instead of relying on somebody else's hard work to make your photos look good. There you go. And I, that also depends on, see, it's funny because I'm sort of straddling in between. I think I'm of a similar mindset as you, but I also think that if someone's willing to trade their unit of value, which is money, or their time to learn it, they can, mm -hmm. le they can trade their time to learn it or they can trade their money to get to a, an end goal. Right, and so here, the thing that's, that's interesting is that money can change everything. As we've seen in the past, Money can kind of fuck you up a little bit. You dangle money in front of somebody and they'll change their mindset on a lot of things. Oh, 100%. For the money. Yeah. And I think for a while there, because people are like, you know, like you're missing out. Somebody commented, they're like, sell your preset. And I was like, probably won't. And they were like, you're missing out on a lot of money. And yeah, I might be. And then it kind of gets in your head like, oh, should I sell my preset? Could I make a lot of money? 
And for a while, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to because that's what photographers do. And then I realized, like, I don't need to be doing what everybody else is doing. Like, I can hold my ground and stay true to my beliefs and what I think that I want to do. And if I decide in 10 years or two years that I want to sell a preset, fine. But right now, like, it's to me, I don't care about the money. I just don't. I don't believe in it. And I don't. Well, for the record, I do care about the money. And <laughs> <laughs> I l- listen, I would rather sell a course. So I'm going to sell listen, my, I'm going to sell my presets sell for everybody. Presets. If you <laughs> I would rather sell a course or sell merch or something else instead of presets. And if you want to learn how to, to do it, like we literally teach it for free, like yeah. just learn it for free. And then you've learned something. I don't care about the money. Like, you are a purist. I can't purist Peckham. Listen, and you know what? I'm holding my ground and I'm just going to go for it. There you go. Stick it out. Um, this has been a very long podcast. I do. I did have one little segment to, to throw in at the end of this, but I'm kind of feeling like we should just leave it. Okay. Maybe we can save it for the next one. Yeah. Okay, okay cool. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, I have no idea what this episode was about except for me complaining about presets. I think it was just a chat, just us catching up. I've yeah. been, I've been on call for the last week. We had a very busy week, mm-hmm. very mentally and, fati- and physically fatiguing. And, yeah. uh, this is the first time that we've gotten to sit down with only two interruptions. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to to chat about the preset thing, and I, I really appreciate your perspective and playing devil, devil's advocate because it does make you think a little bit, you know, about both sides to it. And I, and I hope I didn't offend anybody because it's not meant to offend anybody. It's just I just wanted to share you've my just, thoughts. You simultaneously offended every photographer who sells their presets and every photographer who uses presets. Oh my god, did I? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Listen, I, but it's this is just my thoughts, like there are people who just started who are a hundred percent fine with buying presets and using it or, you know, and more power to you. If that's how you think, like you're your own person. Yeah. Businessman. It's like, how can I get the most bang for my buck? And law, it's like law of diminishing returns, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You- I like, ed- I just really like editing. Like I said, I like to visualize a shot and then know how to get the look. Even if it's, if it doesn't match my Instagram feed, I like to know how to manipulate my photos myself. Yeah. I like flying manual drones. Mm-hmm. I like flying helicopters over autopilot and some people, just like some people like to f- drive stick mm-hmm. rather than automatic. That's a really good comparison. All right. On that note, we'll end it here. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. And if you have any questions for us or suggestions on topics, hit us up on Twitter at Becky and Chris and uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next one.